Hello, humans. Hello, humans. Hello, humans of the world. It is me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. How are you all? Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday in July to you. I am thrilled to be back here and to talk with you about idealism and idealists. Um, I think we have a pretty good show, uh, and why don't we just get to it right away? So, um, but before I do anything else, uh, because that's the way I am, I'm all over the place, let me offer this backdrop of what we are seeing in America right now. Remember, this show is taped, so just three days ago, the president of these old United States, states, this old America, commuted the federal prison sentence of his longtime friend, Roger Stone, uh, which Stone unabashedly said he deserved because he hadn't rolled on the president. Think about that. Stone said, you know, he's obviously implying that he has the goods on our president. And because he didn't offer up those goods, he deserved a commutation and the president came through for him. Last year, we saw the Senate, save for one Republican senator by the name of Romney, acquit the president of abuse of power and obstruction of justice charges as part of the impeachment process. We have also seen uh, almost every Republican office holder fearful of the president's tweets, which when those tweets happen in an angry fashion, they effectively constitute banishment from the Republican Party. How did it get this way? What is it about humans who let this kind of stuff happen? Well, in 1967, um, a Palo Alto, California high school social studies teacher engaged in an experiment on fascism and Nazism that came to be called the Third Wave. In 1967, Ron Jones, uh, the social studies teacher in question, was only 26 years old. However, in the short time that he had been teaching, in Palo Alto, he had already developed a reputation as a clever and imaginative teacher for his methodologies. He kept the class engaged, he made them laugh, he taught them important lessons in a different way than most other teachers did in the school. Now, in the spring of 1967, the class had to tackle the subject of Nazi Germany, and students couldn't quite believe how it was possible for Hitler to ra so radically transform Germany to the point where it had engaged in horrific crimes against humanity and, of course, went to war with Europe and then, of course, the rest of the world. So Ron Johnson, our 26-year-old social studies teacher, came up with an idea. He'd teach about totalitarianism and cult of the personality. This happened merely over the course of five school days, just in one week. Some of what I'm sharing here is from a medium that's an online forum, a medium article by James Rush, D 
dated December 10, 2018. However, you can also go on Wikipedia and Google Ron Johnson as well as the third wave. So on day one of this big experiment about how to show students how easy it is for fascism to take hold, on day one, it was a Monday, Jones established his authority. So rather than being his usual bubbly self, you know, kind of low-key, hey, how are you? He came into the classroom and in a stern voice ordered the students to call him Mr. Jones. He then lectured on the benefits of discipline and talked about sitting at attention at your desks. On the second day, so all he did was just kind of set the stage about I'm in control, you will listen to me. On the second day, Jones talked about how democracy's emphasis on democracy, excuse me, how democracy's emphasis on individualism, he came up with a motto, quote, strength through discipline, strength through community, comma, strength through action, comma, strength through pride, unquote. Where have we heard some of those phrases lately? He also told the students that if they joined the third wave movement, they would all get an A. If they didn't join the movement, they would get an F and be banished to the library. And if students were only half involved, you know, sort of not into it totally, but kind of going along, they would get a C. That was on the second day. So on the second day, after he's established on the first day his authority, on the second day, he kind of sets the rules about how this is going to work. And, and by the way, at this point, okay, uh, on the second day, Jones also created a salute, a cupped hand going across the chest to the shoulder. And he ordered that that salute be given to, quote unquote, party members anytime they saw each other in the classroom or outside of the classroom. And on this second day, he came up with the name, a third wave, based on the idea that the third in a series of waves is the strongest. And as the class ended that day, on this second day, Jones gave everyone the salute, the cupped hand across the chest and to the shoulder, just like the Nazis and just like the Nazis in Nuremberg. Everyone in the class, all 30-some students, gave him the salute back. Okay, so that's just on the second day. He's now established the game, the rules, and the motto, and the direction, which was to disrupt democracy because it was just too individualistic and that everybody should think together and alike because there was strength, strength through community and pride. On the third day, so we're now on Wednesday, okay? Uh, on the third day of this experiment, uh, the teacher, Ron Jones, found that he had 13 new students in his class. They were skipping other classes to come to his because they had heard about this third wave thing. And on this third day, he gave everyone membership cards and instructed them on how to indoctrinate new members. Then he gave them assignments like creating third wave banners and other things to help promote the party and the cause. He also told the students to put their heads on their desks 
and close their eyes. And then on this third day, he went through the class and he tapped on the shoulders of three students and told them secretly, he whispered to them, that they would be the secret police to report on transgressions by other classmates. So now, on this third day, Teacher Jones had set up a mechanism for reporting people who are out of line and identifying with the identity cards. On the fourth day, Teacher Jones figured out that things were already out of control. Because you see, the students were going from the class into the larger high school, and they were using, you know, their sign, their, their salute with each other. They were, um, they were pushing people to become involved with the party and then denigrating those who were not. And um, he really realized something was a foul because um, he went into the students, uh, the, excuse me, the teacher lounge, that would be Teacher Jones, and a student followed him in, and which was great disruption to the other teachers. And when the student was confronted, the student said that he had been assigned as um, Ron Jones' personal bodyguard by the party, even Jones, even though Jones hadn't asked for it. At that point, Ron Jones um, realized, as I said, that things had gotten out of control. By that time, 200 students in the school were claiming membership in the third wave. So for the fifth day, that is the day, um, uh, the Friday of that week, Jones came up with a ruse. He told the students that the third wave, the third wave members, that a third wave president, presidential candidate supported by schools across America would announce his candidacy on television. And so uh, he had said that on the, he said that that was going to happen on Thursday. So he said, come on Friday and you'll hear this announcement. But on Friday, the last day of this experiment, um, the students all showed up with a television in the room waiting to hear this candidacy. And in fact, what happened was that uh, Jones appeared and he said, you've all learned about fascism just in this very short period of time. You have changed the whole fabric here. And then he showed them a film about Nazi Germany. And they had a discussion about what had happened to them so quickly and of course, about how Nazi Germany had come about. Since 1967, there have been a number of articles and films about this experiment, the third wave experiment, including a 2011 film called The Lesson by um, a man named Philip Neal, N-E-E-L. He happened to be one of the students in 1967 in Ron Jones' class. Um, you know, we've got November of 2020 coming. You've heard me speak, and of course, how we happened and where we are today, um, you know, um, we're 80, 80 years um, after Hitler, and memories are so faulty. Humans are shapeable people. One of the things that the experiment found was that the strong, those who spoke out, got eliminated early. They were the ones who got the F and were sent to the library. But those who were passive, you know, like... Yeah, but when given power, became enforcers of the third wave. Democracy is a fragile thing, my friends. 
It depends on shared values and good hearts. When we don't have either of those, we have fascism. Plain and simple. And next, we're going to do an encore interview of Bill Doherty of Better Angels. Better Angels, an organization that is trying to counter the division in our country. Better Angels, which is the antidote to fascism. Enjoy that interview, please. Thanks. Branding electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hi, Alex of Better Futures, Minnesota. Does your business or organization need janitorial services, lawn care, or snow services? Obtain a free, no-obligation estimate from Better Futures, Minnesota when you mention that you heard about us on AM950. Our supervised, hardworking, and affordable crews will handle your interior and exterior building and property maintenance needs while you help men in your community transform their lives and walk on a positive path to success. It's a win-win. To learn more, go to BetterFuturesMinnesota.com under Business Services. AM 950 LD 2.0 radio. Um, I've got to tell you, um, Maurice Willows, um, an incredible man at an incredible time. And remember, the theme of this show is about idealists doing remarkable things. And I am just thrilled for uh, the big interview now uh, to be speaking with uh, William Doherty, um, who is one of the founders of Better Angels. Bill, are you on the line? I sure am. Welcome to LE 2.0 Radio on AM 950. I am thrilled to have you here. I have been a huge fan of Better Angels and the work that uh, your organization is doing. And uh, I'm just thrilled to be able to have a chance to talk to you. So welcome to the show. Great to be with you. Thank you. So I'm wondering if, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about Better Angels? Because I, I know that the listeners on this show have some idea. I mean, um, we've had folks uh, generally on other shows, and I've had in a prior iteration of my work uh, somebody from here. But if you can give us – and I, what I'd love for you to do is to give the story about how it started. Yeah, yeah well, so Better Angels is um – a nonprofit, mostly volunteer-led, uh, with the goal of depolarizing America in this very difficult time. And it, it started um, just by happenstance. Um, about 10 days after the presidential election in, 19, or in 2016, um, a colleague of mine named David Blankenhorn was on the phone with another colleague, David Lapp from Ohio, uh, David Blankenhorn from Upper East Side of Manhattan, and David Lapp from um, from Trump country in in Ohio, and um, they were uh, talking about what it was like there in on the streets, if you will. And David uh, from New York said it's like a funeral in the upper upper, upper east side of Manhattan. And David Lapp said it's morning in America uh, in Southwest Ohio. <laughs> they were, they were uh, having a party. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
And um, they decided just on the spur of the moment uh, to say, well, we, we have to get people together. And they decided to uh, to get uh, 10 Hillary voters and 10, 10 Trump voters from southwest Ohio uh, together for a weekend, uh, thir- 13 hours over a weekend uh, in early December. And um, and they called me, and uh, I said, "Whoa, that's brave." Um, and um, I said, "What are you going to do with them?" And they said they didn't know they were hoping I could figure out. What to do with them. <laughs> so that landed in uh, your lap, okay? Yeah, and I, I remember sitting at I was at the same desk that I am now, looking at my calendar, kind of hoping maybe I wasn't free. I, you know, it was like uh, this was thrilling, but oh, wouldn't it be nice to have an excuse? Right, um, but I I was free, so we got together this group and when and uh, Bill, let me interrupt you. How long after the election did this group get together? It was about uh, five or six weeks after the election. Okay, go ahead. And um, you know, when we asked them why they came, why they gave up uh, Friday night, all day Saturday, and Sunday afternoon to come and meet with people who voted for the enemy, if you will, uh, they they said we can't go on with this. Hostility. We, we we have a we have communities to run. We have schools to run and roads to build, and we have to get past this enmity. Um, and uh, it was really it was quite powerful, uh, but it was a one off, and we just decided to do it. But this group said no. We have more has to come from it. Uh, so they 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 wanted a reunion. I flew back. We're just cashing in frequent flyer and miles, and uh, and and out of that re- reunion was this idea that, no, this has to go on, there has to be more workshops. They, they said, we, we have to form an alliance. And, and so that's how it was born. Uh, I came back to Minnesota um, and said, well, you know, weekend is going to be too much for a lot of people. So I designed a three-hour mini version and a one-day version and tried them out here in Minnesota. Um, the first one was in Egan. Uh, and those were, you know, not as powerful as a full weekend, but nevertheless pretty, pretty powerful. Uh, and um, with with the idea being uh, not to have people try to change each other's minds on policies or even what they think of say, President Trump, not to change the minds about uh, what, what their policies, but about each other, uh, to get past stereotypes and to see if they can find common ground. So since then, my goodness, um, uh, it just sort of uh, taken off. So we've had workshops in 32 states. Um, uh, we've probably had uh, almost 300 workshops now. I developed wow. skills workshops, so it's just bang, it's just taken off. Wow! And and uh, and and you and and this is all in less than a year and a half, literally, That's right. right? That's right. That's right. So That's right. so I mean, well, right now we're we're two years plus uh, since the election, but. Uh, but Better Angels is going strong. And, and what uh, – well, let's back up now. OK, I'm, thank you for that explanation. Le, can you talk about you, – you, uh, you actually teach at the U of M. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I teach uh, family therapy. <laughs> Which and, uh, is, of course, a great foundational <laughs> uh, basis for this, right? Right, 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 right. Uh, so, you know, applying some of those uh, principles – and what I want to say is that, that the design of these workshops is, is one that encourages listening and learning and humility rather than debating and declaring. Right. And, and, uh, and, uh, and with, with this red and blue divide that we're having, are you still finding – okay, now two years after the election, two years plus – are you still finding that people 
are eager to get past the divide. Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, maybe even more eager because our country is, is uh, pulling apart. Um, for instance, this uh, next week, uh, we planned, uh, we were having a Better Angel State of the Union address by uh, David Blanco and our, our president. It's going to be in Washington, D.C. and broadcast around the country. We thought it was going to be two days after the State of the Union, the president's State of the Union. Now it's going to be the only State of the Union. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, um, okay. And, and the, the, thing that, the thing I want to say that's, that's really striking about this uh, movement is that the leadership is half red and half blue by design. The board is half red and half blue. It's a nonprofit. The leadership... I'm going to a Better Angels retreat next week after our State of the Union. There'll be 16 uh, leaders, again, half red, half blue. And so we're, we're, kind, we, we're trying to practice what we preach and to work together uh, with people who, who differ from us politically. Okay. Well, and, and, and that's the only way to do it is, I mean, you have to model uh, the work that you're, you're um, advocating for. So yes, uh, yes. What, um, we're going to have to take a break in a second here, but – what are you finding about fatigue? So there's the difference between being motivated about wanting to change our country, and then there's the thing about being fatigued. We're just worn out. Are you obviously? Are you finding that as well? Well, I tell you, after the Kavanaugh hearings, it was a little harder to recruit for workshops because people were just angry and worn out. But they, re- they you know, they recovered from that. There is tremendous uh, concern about polarization in the country. And so people are worn out, but but scared, and and that that's and they want to do something. Okay. Well, when we come back from our break, I'm going to want to talk with you a little bit, for, a lot further about Better Angels, and then I'm going to want to talk with you about what makes you the idealist that you are, because there's no question that you are an idealist. So, listeners, we've been speaking with uh, William Doherty from the University of Minnesota, one of the founders of Better Angels. And um, uh, if you like what you hear on the show as we're highlighting idealists doing remarkable things, please go to my website at elliekrug.com. Email me. I love hearing from listeners at lejkrug at gmail.com. And, uh, and, and please uh, tune in. And, and when we come back, I'm going to give Bill an opportunity to uh, share website uh, information, particularly about this uh, state of the blue uh, of the uh, better angels. We'll be back in a minute. If you're looking to save money on your home or building improvement project, check out Better Futures Minnesota's reuse retail warehouse in South Minneapolis. We carry salvage building materials such as cabinetry, flooring, plumbing fixtures, appliances, lighting, and more. Saving you money and saving the planet by keeping these items out of the landfill, by giving them another life. Selections change daily, and we also take donations. Go to BetterFuturesMinnesota.com and look under Reuse Warehouse to learn more. Let us know AM950 sent you. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works, LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming, diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. And 
We're back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. I've been speaking with uh, William Bill Doherty from the University of Minnesota, one of the three founders of Better Angels. We've been talking about Better Angels. Bill, um, while I'm thinking about it, because I'm horrible at remembering this, uh, you talked about the uh, Better Angels having a State of the Union, uh, State yeah. of Union address. When will that be? How can people plug into it? And how can people plug into Better Angels generally? Yes, it'll be this uh, next Thursday night, the, uh, the 31st uh, of January. Uh, and uh, they can go to better-angels.org, better-angels.org, uh, and learn about it there. Uh, we're a membership organization. It's the basic membership fee is $12 a year. Uh, we have uh, more people in Minnesota per capita than any other state in the union. Lots of things going on here. So better-angels.org. Learn about the State of the Union talk and uh, and become a member. And then, because this show is taped, um, other than on Facebook, uh, we might not be able to have people get it beforehand. But will the will the State of the Union of Better Angels be on the website that people will be oh, able to download download that? Absolutely. Oh, that's absolutely. great. Okay. Yep. All right. So. So you are um, – my theme of my show, and you fit into it very well, is about you know idealists doing remarkable things. And Better Angels obviously is something incredibly remarkable. Um, uh, what are you – what – you know, you, you've talked uh, earlier about how people you know, are – we talked a little bit about fatigue, but how people are just fed up with the division that we have in our country – on, you know, on the nitty gritty, on the ground, how are you convincing people um, who are very decidedly red um, to talk to people who are very decidedly blue? How how are you getting to that? Can you tell us a little bit about the secret sauce? Well, the, the big thing is that we, we find uh, people on both sides. We find organizers. We find people uh, a red who cares about uh, this polarization in the country. We find a blue who cares about it. And then, then they recruit their own people. Ah, um, okay. Okay. That, that, that's, that's the heart of it. Uh, so you have to find leaders, grassroots folks, the volunteers, and then they, they go out and recruit others. Um, and, um, uh, and then the other is we have libraries, um, uh, library systems uh, locally, Ramsey County Library, uh, Dakota County. Yep. Uh, kind of, you know, they, they, they sponsor workshops, and those are trusted institutions. Oh, so for sure. Will only, they will only come if, if, if some trusted person or institution invites them. So you need neutral ground. That's right. Okay. That's right. All right. And are the, are the librarians getting involved? I mean, are they attending the, uh, the well, sessions? Uh, they're providing venues and helping to recruit. Okay. Okay. And so, and then, so give us some more. I mean, so you get people there. How are you getting them to talk to each other? Well, this is a big part of this. That we we have structured activities, exercises we have people do, and I'll just I'll just mention one. It's a classic small group communication thing called a fishbowl. So we flip a coin and see which group is going to be in the middle in chairs in a circle first, and the other group is in is in a circle of chairs around the the inner circle. And when you're in the outer circle, your job is to listen to a group of like-minded people talk about things that are important to them, and learn about how they see the world, and see if you can find anything in common. And, and the two questions for the group in the fishbowl are, why are your side's values and policies good for the country? 
are your side's values and policies good for the country? And then the second question is, what are your reservations or concerns about your own side? What are your reservations or concerns about your own side? And the first question allows people to uh, articulate why being a conservative, why being a liberal, um, why this is good for the country. Um, it, it allows them to talk about their ideals, their values, their beliefs. Right. And the second, the second question invites them to be humble. It invites them to be introspective about about problems with with uh, with their side. Okay. Uh, and, and then and then they flip and they switch and then around the circle afterwards, there's a two part question on the table, and that's all you can talk about at that moment. And the and the two part question is. What did you learn about how the other side sees themselves? What did you learn about how they, how they see themselves? And did you see anything in common? Uh, and then we go back and forth between reds and blues, uh, answering uh, those two questions. I assume you have a facilitator that you're training oh. on how to do this. Yes, that's right. We train, we've trained uh, 300 facilitators around the country okay. to do this. And then, yeah. uh, and then just for our listeners, do you have sessions for just to train facilitators that they could find um, if they went to the Better Angels website? Yes, that's right. It's all online. Uh, the, all of the training is online. Oh, really? Uh, Okay. Yeah, that's right. We require that people have a background in facilitation. Okay. Okay. So, so they, they have to, and, but I've designed them, I've designed these workshops to require modest level of facilitation skill, not high level. Okay. If, you know, if it's like uh, superstars have to do it, it's not going to, it's not going to work. Uh, so, yes. So they, they and they, they follow the, the, the process. Uh, and another exercise, uh, we have people ask, formulate questions of the other side. Questions of understanding and clarification, deepening questions, not gotcha questions. And part of what we learned in our first workshop is that people don't know how to do that. So we have the groups, uh, Reds and Blues, in separate rooms coming up with four good Uh, questions for the other group. Okay. Four good questions. So you're giving people the time to get through the chatter and maybe to get through the emotion and then filter that out to stuff that's productive. That's right, exactly. Okay. So a couple of questions for you. One is, to what extent does commonalities come in here to play? Common, you know, part of my work is about talking about how we're all trying to survive the human condition, regardless of the color of your skin or your religion or LGBTQ status, that type of thing. So right. how, how much are you centering on commonalities of all humans? That is exactly what comes out. We don't go in saying you're going to find commonalities. But that's what happens. Uh, when, when they listen to one another, when they respond to questions from one another, good questions, right. inevitably what they say is we, ha- we share common goals. Yep. Uh, everybody around this table wants our children to be well-educated. Uh, everyone around this table wants to, uh, everyone to have access to good health care. There's nobody around the table who's against immigration. Um, uh, and, and so we, we, we share a lot of values and concerns for the country. Where we differ often is the, our means to get there. Right. But the key thing is, if I think you and I uh, cherish some of the same core values, um, well, we're, we're human to each other. We're not enemies of each other. That, and, that, you know, and that's what I'm absolutely finding in my work. I mean, I personally believe, Bill, that um, in our political process, they're all missing the boat because what they should be talking about front and center is our kids. I mean, if, yeah. if we can just get our politicians to just focus on this is all about the kids, it really is. I mean, we're trying yeah. to leave them a country that they will be prosperous in. 
And if we can just center around that, I do – I mean, you know, here's Ellie Krug, idealist, hopeless idealist, believing that we can get past most of our differences. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so the other thing I want to add is that uh, out of some of these workshops come alliances. So we have one here in, in the Twin Cities. We have 23 of them around the country where people want to go further than the one-time workshop. And so these are groups of reds and blues that meet. They sponsor other workshops. They get into substantive policy discussions, uh, and they provide local leadership. Wow. Okay. Well, that's great. So in the time that we have left, I want to talk about you, Bill Doherty. Hey, my favorite topic. <laughs> well, great. And and so um, you're, um, you, you, you grew up in uh, on the East Coast in Philadelphia. Is that right? Yep, that's okay. right. And – uh, you know, beforehand, we, you and I, inter- I interviewed you, and what what has made you an idealist? I mean, really, I mean, this is hard work. How'd you get here? Yeah, well, I, I um, decided that back in the '60s, I wanted to be a Catholic priest, and so I went to seminary and, as a, a young idealist. Uh, and then I kind of got radicalized during the uh, Vietnam War era and was part of the Poor People's Campaign in Washington D.C. and so decided to take another route. And and I, I wanted to become a family therapist because I wanted to be part of healing families. And at some point, I realized that a lot of the stresses the families are under is, is stuff going on in the larger world. Uh, and so it was it was just sort of a, a logical next step to try to get involved in healing at a community level, uh, and and really just to be open to opportunities. Um, uh, and doing doing my part. So, you know, so if, if, if sometimes in my work with couples, I try to prevent unnecessary divorces so that people don't feel like they have to divorce in order to be happy. Um, well, I'm involved in trying to prevent uh, a, a civic divorce in the United States. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what a way to put and, it. Uh, yeah. And so it's just this is what I, I, I am fed by doing. Uh, and so... Um, it's it's and and it's just a way to get up in the morning uh, and feel like I'm making some kind of difference in the world. Well, and and you you were doing some idealistic work before the Better Angels, weren't you? Oh yeah, yeah. I've been involved uh, in uh, community projects uh, uh, locally here for some time with uh, immigrant communities and and uh, as well as uh, middle class communities. I mean, what, part, one of the things that I believe is that we, we need the civic engagement and mobilization for everybody. Uh, and then, unfortunately, we talk about community organizing if it's, if it's just for a traditionally marginalized community. That it, it's needed everywhere. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, so, you know, I, I'm involved with a, with a suburban school district now that's having huge problems between uh, conservative and, and liberals uh, in the schools. And it's the, it's the same principles, the same principles. So um, in the time we have left, let's talk about our democracy because yeah. um, uh, I'm, you know, I'm just one human, but I'm, I'm scared to death for our country. I mean, where are we headed, Bill? Well, we are <clears> – historians think uh, we're as divided as we've ever been since the 1850s, and we know what happened then. Uh, and uh, others have called it a cold civil war that we're involved in. Uh, and, um, and, and those of us who do not want to uh, uh, demonize uh, the millions of people who voted differently have to find a voice on this uh, uh, because we're in very deep trouble. 
And and I agree with that. And then I just said that I was afraid, but I'm also, uh, as I said, also a hopeless idealist. And I do believe in the power of Americans to come together. I do believe in the power that we all want our children to succeed. And we and we have a unique country to allow people to succeed because of the way we're set up. If they work hard and get some luck, and and we have to you know remove some institutional barriers as well. But but um, well, I um, I. I I, I I applaud you and you and your colleagues and everybody at Better Angels for the hard work that you're doing. And I really want to just let you know I am so appreciative of what you're doing. It is so incredibly important. Well, thank you. And um, just to return it a bit, as I've gotten to know your work, is also incredibly important. And there are many of us. There are many of us uh, doing similar kind of work for the country right now. Well, maybe we should all have like an idealist convention, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's idealist and it's also pragmatic. And so I want to share a story of the, at, the, at the end of one of our local Red Blue workshops. Sure. An Afri- African-American man who was, uh, on, you know, he's sort of a center-right uh, conservative. He said something that has really stayed with me. He said, Neither side is going to vanquish the other, and so we're going to have to figure out a way to to run this country together. So true, isn't it? It's just so incredibly true. We are all humans. We're all Americans. We all believe in democracy. We just need to do the hard work of preserving it, right? Yes, yes. All right. Well, Bill, I've just so much enjoyed uh, uh, talking with you. I've been, uh, and thank you for being on LE 2.0 Radio. Well, my, my great pleasure. And people can go to better-angels.org and find out about us and, uh, and join the movement. Yep. Thank you so much. We've been talking with Bill Doherty from Better Angels. Um, and uh, please go to their website and learn more about Better Angels. And um, when we come back from our break, listeners, uh, we'll pick up on my C-block talking a, a little bit about my work. So hang on, and I'll be back in a second. Thanks. Did you know there's deconstruction funding available now for homeowners and contractors in Hennepin County? If you are embarking on a remodel or teardown this year, consider hiring Better Futures Minnesota's deconstruction crews instead of demolition. By taking a house or building apart by hand instead of destroying it with heavy equipment, the materials can be reused or recycled instead of going into the landfill. It is much more cost-effective and is a carbon-neutral solution. Go to BetterFuturesMinnesota.com and look under Business Services to learn more. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years. Celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. And we are back on LE 2.0 Radio on AM 950. So even though that interview of, of Bill Doherty of Better Angels is, a, you know, a, it's over a year old, maybe close to a year and a half old, everything that he says, everything still applies today. It does. 
We are in a very, very difficult time, my friends. We are. All right, this is my C block where I talk about my work as an idealist. Today, I'd like to talk about something um, that I'm starting to wrestle with, which is the idea of retirement. Now, don't worry, <laughs> not that you would. Um, uh, uh, don't worry about this radio show ending anytime soon. As long as AM 950 will have Ellie Krug, Ellie Krug will have AM 950. No, this is a much bigger life issue for me. I'm 63 and a half years old, you see. And some of my friends have retired and others are retiring. And there's a part of me uh, feeling a pull to slow down and have a life uh, more focused on travel and just living. I mean, part of it, um, you know, um, is triggered by the things that I do when I relax. I mean, um, uh, yesterday I had an incredible near 40-mile bike ride um, in Stillwater, Minnesota. Lovely. I love Stillwater, and there are some incredible trails, the Browns, uh, the Browns uh, Creek Trail outside of Stillwater. It's just wonderfully beautiful. And maybe yester yesterday, I think, no doubt, I mean, I think I've been on my bike 65 times so far this season. Um, I think it was certainly the best bike ride of the year, and I wondered, what if I could do that every day? Um, of course, the virus has gotten in the way of a lot of things. My dear friend, Thap, who I've talked and written about, I mean, my lifelong friend of 50 years, um, he was a lawyer like me. After 30 years or so, he retired to Utah where he spends his days hiking with his two dogs. Um, but for the most part, for Thap, that's really all there is. He throws in a little pickleball game every once in a while, but that, for the most part, is it. And for me, weighing on this retirement thing are two things. First, by nature, I am a workaholic. I am. I have been that way all my life. I started my first job at age 16 within days of turning 16, when you could in Iowa at the time get a job. And my very first job was as a fry cook for a restaurant that had newly opened, so we had to go through this training regimen. And for the very first two weeks of that job, I worked 56 hours per week, uh, eight hours a day for two weeks to get trained to be a fry cook for a whole dollar sixty-five an hour. I know, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, way in the old days. But even now, um, between speaking and training, this radio show, writing for a couple of magazines, my monthly newsletter that goes out to more than 9,000 people, and working on my second book, I am putting in somewhere between 60 and 70 hours a week. And I'm not complaining. That's all right. Um, frankly, I don't know how to not be a workaholic. It's so much in my DNA. The second thing going on is my idealism. This thing inside me that won't leave me alone about the need to make a positive difference in the world. This, too, has always been a part of my DNA. But if, um, but um, for nearly 40 years, I suppressed my idealism because I was also suppressing my gender identity. They were intertwined. And if you can't be your total authentic self, it was really hard for me to also be an idealist because you can't go and try and change the world if you haven't already tried to change yourself. 
But once I transitioned to me, once I got to Ellie Krug in 2009, my idealism came pouring out and it has been red hot ever since. Every day, multiple times of the day, especially when I read the news, my idealism speaks. Sometimes it's yelling. I have to do more is what I say to myself. Um, or sometimes I'm also yelling at the news, shouting at the television. Why don't they listen to what Dr. King or Bobby Kennedy said? I do that. <laughs> so as I think about this retirement thing, I really just don't see it happening um, anytime soon. I don't. Um, I don't. I just don't see that I can sit around not that, I mean, I know that many retired people that get entirely busy are like, how did I ever have all the time to do all the things I'm doing right now? And I don't want it to be demeaning whatsoever to folks who are retired whatsoever. Be not having multiple things going on to keep my interest, to give me outlets in multiple ways to try and change the world. Right now, this radio show, this is one of my ways. Now, I know on this station... Mainly, it's, uh, you know, the choir that we're um, singing to, but not always. And every once in a while, we grab an interview. I get somebody every once in a while who just ah, pulls you in with something, a new idea, a new way of looking at the world. It would be great to get a dog, um, and maybe that might be my retirement, having a pup. It'd be nice to have a companion. I'm pretty alone. But me stopping with no purpose other than to just ride my bike, I can't see it. I fully suspect that I will go down swinging, fully engaged with the world. That's me. That is your host, Ellie Krug. Okay. Well, that's another show. We've got her done. Um, and uh, you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug. Uh, I'll throw this in, one of the few transgender radio hosts in the world. I haven't said that for a long time. A big thanks to my sponsors, Brending Electrolysis. Let Bev know she's back in business. Let her know I sent you. She does great work. And to Better Futures Minnesota, which gives people a second chance. A big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson, who is always there for me, always doing incredibly great work. And to you, my audience... Um, please, if you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I always love hearing from my listeners. And to all of you out there at this time, particularly right now in America, go out and make a difference. Help me to change the world for the better. Thanks so very much. Be well. Take care.